Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. No Colin this week. Surprise, surprise. Colin is gone. Um, he keeps telling me this is another work trip. It's like the seventh one he's been on this year. So you tell me who's telling the truth here. Um, so I, I, I'm actually going to be solo here today. I had a guest lined up. Um, fell through here kind of last minute, and since I am an idiot, I did not have a backup plan, but that's okay. Uh, we are going to do the show the same format that we usually do here when it's me and Colin. Um, the only difference really going to be that there we are not doing the start-sit competition this week. Um, so just if you have any start-sit questions... Uh, our Discord is always available to answer those. You can also try to get some of them on this week's Chasing the Natty. Jared does two episodes of that show in season here. The first one of the week, which actually dropped uh, here on Monday, uh, covers just kind of a review of the week, some waiver wire pickups, things like that. And then his Wednesday one does a lot of start-sit uh, type dilemmas. So if you have any questions here as we approach the semifinals of, of most college fantasy leagues drop them in there with him or drop them in our discord and we are always happy to help you with those um just a reminder guys uh, if you have not subscribed here to the youtube or to the uh, the podcast feed the youtube channel or anything else associated with campus to go ahead check all of them out i promise you won't be disappointed we're going to get you guys into some championship games win you guys some money here over the last few weeks of the season, because that is the goal, guys. We want to win that championship. So that is what we're going to do here today, hopefully, and over the next couple of weeks with everything that we provide at C2C. I'm going to hop right into week eight review, guys. No cooking with Colin, obviously, um, and he is not cooking today, but we'll make sure that we ask him when he returns as to what he has been cooking I'm sure that he will not let us down. He's really been expanding his taste lately. I've been very proud of Colin. This used to be a chicken fingers and grilled cheese guy only. So, you know, he, he's come a long way. I, I, he's, he's used the word salmon on here. And I thought five years ago that, that he would pronounce that salmon and he's never heard of it. So um, shout out to Colin for that. And I'm glad that I can still get some shots in even when he's not here because I just not a fulfilling week uh, if I can't give Colin a little bit of crap. All right, guys. So week eight review. Picked out a couple storylines that I think are important for your teams, depending on what um, state that they are in, whether you're competing, whether maybe you're already looking forward uh, to next season. So that's what we're going to talk about here first. We're going to talk about some injuries that we're monitoring because there's nothing worse than getting stuck with a guy who isn't playing in your starting lineup. Uh, felt that pain a couple times this past weekend. We're going to talk some waiver wire uh, again, as uh, as we did last week. These are mostly going to be names for teams that are rebuilding or, or stash options. And, you know, if you're competing, you can still stash them guys too. Um, so that that's going to be the theme here for today. If you're looking for some waiver wire options for players um, that, that maybe you can plug and play here in a semifinal matchup, highly, highly recommend going to ch uh, check out this week's chasing the natty already dropped here. Again, as I mentioned, uh, Jared had Nate Marquise on with him. Those guys are both CFF experts. They, they both know these things a lot better than I do. Um, so I would take their word over mine. Um, and as always, you know, with leagues being so different, it never hurts to either go into fan tracks and so, and just look at the, the highest over the course of the season point totals available. And what I like to do honestly, is I go on and I filter it by last week or the week before or the week after that, and kind of get a feel 
for if there are any names still popping up around the top of that uh, this time of the year. That That's really kind of the cheat code because th- these leagues, as we all know, are not one size fit all. So um, so some strategery things there for you. Um, but we're going to be talking some names to stash. Um, I did ask uh, some of the NIL folks in our Discord what they wanted to hear us talk about today. And some of them talked about maybe some some players that we'd like to see move in the offseason. I don't have a ton of that uh, of, of uh, stuff on that for today, but it definitely will be a talking point over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then instead of start sits this week, I'm going to try to put some faces to names for you guys for these supplemental picks. You know, you hear us talking about trade a third round supplemental pick, you know, go buy, go buy a Bo Nix down the stretch here or, or a Jaden Daniels or, or somebody like that, you know, give, give up that third, that fourth, that fifth round supplemental pick. But what, what are the guys that you might be looking at in, in those range of picks? I think it's helpful to kind of contextualize that way. I'm sure you guys do as well, uh, whether that's a supplemental pick, a rookie pick, or, or anything like that uh, as it relates to fantasy football. So that's kind of going to be how I bring this thing home for you guys today. So let's jump right in here with our week eight review. And the first uh, point that I want to hit on here, Tavion Thomas, running back for Utah. I'm ready to be heard again. I think I put a question mark here and then I said it as a statement. I, I think I'm ready to be heard again by Tavion Thomas. Tavion Thomas um, uh, uh, started his career many, many years ago at Cincy, went the Juco route, ended up at Utah last year and took over uh, that starting job at Utah fairly early in the season, uh, uh, made it through some fumbling issues and some other things, came out on top and was very, very productive. I thought, you know, this is a guy that could compete for a, a an RB1 finish in CFF for sure this year, but possibly even more than that, you know, a, a top three or four running back option. And it's just been a, a season to forget for him. He's not played uh, particularly well at times. He uh, apparently had some issues off the field. I don't think like legal or anything. You know, he, he's just had to miss some practices and maybe butted heads with the coaching staff a little bit. Um, so, so has not been getting these touches, but he was kind of forced into this game because uh, Utah's getting a little banged up at running back. They don't have a lot of other options. So Thomas got into this one uh, and produced very well. He had his first um, uh, a 20 carry uh, game since week one, which I think is a really, really, really big deal for him because he is a guy. You know, he, he's going to thrive on volume there. He's not necessarily an explosive play type of back. Uh, and and in those 22 carries this weekend, 180 yards and two touchdowns again his first uh, 20 yard or 20 carry performance since week one where he had 23 against florida uh, and really he hasn't even had that many double digit rushing attempts since then this is his first double digit rushing uh, attempt since ucla on the 8th of um uh, october so over a month uh, since we'd seen that kind of volume for him look stanford is a very bad rush defense so this was a prime spot a lot of things you know stars or planets kind of aligned him you know thinned out backfield Jalen Glover uh has been injured I, I don't know on the status of, of Makai Bernard and some other guys there so and and Stanford being so bad defensively Cameron Rising their starting quarterback has been banged up as well so this was just kind of a smash spot for him maybe I didn't look uh closely enough at, at this situation uh coming into the week uh, I know we certainly didn't talk about that as being uh a potentially a thing uh going into this last week of games but I I, I think that I'm ready to kind of start him this week. I mean, it, I'm obviously not telling you to do this blindly. 
you might have other options at this point in the, in the season, but I know there's also a lot of teams that maybe had uh, an Israel Bonaconda go down and, and we're, you know, we've, we've already questioned on the show. Does he get that full rollback uh, or not so sure? Jameer Gibbs went down this weekend. We're going to talk about him here in a second. Maybe you're relying on a guy like that. Um, Zach Charbonnet was questionable this weekend. He obviously played uh, and another guy uh, that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, but point being, you may have had a lot of options, and your options may be getting a little more limited as attrition settles in this off uh, this season. So Tavion Thomas, they have Oregon this week. Oregon, they're more susceptible through the air, but it's still not a great defense overall. And the nature of their play style and the games that they've had this year is that every game has a, a chance to be a blowout really with them or a, a shootout with them. So even if you know Oregon uh, decides to show up a little bit better along the defensive front seven. I think just with the amount of times that Utah is going to have their hands on the ball, I think it's going to make him an intriguing guy. And then, guys, here's the kicker and why I'm ready to go get Tavion Thomas in here. They play Colorado in Week 13 Championship Week. Now, I don't know. I think we've we've made this fairly clear on the show over the course of this year. But if we haven't, Colorado is the worst rush defense in all of college football. They are atrocious. Think about your favorite running back this season. If they played Colorado, you can go and without even, I guarantee it, if you go to their game log, that was their best scoring game of the season. They are just freaking terrible. So Tavion Thomas, if he, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm choosing to believe that this week was not fool's gold, that this is the reality, that he has this job for the last couple games of the season, these are two pretty dang good matchups. So if you if you are wondering maybe a flex spot or just getting thin at running back, I think this is a guy that's going to get the volume and the matchups are good enough where I think you can start to lean on him. I, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I have a bunch of semifinal matchups this week. A couple of them I have, Tavion Thomas, and I think, I'd have to double check, but I think I am rolling with him in every single one of them. So um, th this is not me just handing out advice. I'm going to be doing this as well. Good luck to everybody. If it doesn't work out, Colin gave me this idea. Totally. Um, so um, I I'm a little protected, I think, if, if things go south for us. But I, I really, really believe uh, in Tavion Thomas uh, over the last couple games of the year. Talk about teams that I'm starting to believe in again. Fresno State. We faded Fresno State for weeks here, not because you know of anything that was necessarily their fault, um, but no Jay Kaner made this offense unpredictable at times. Uh, you know, Jordan Mims really suffered. The, the receiving work has gone down for him. He's really been touchdown dependent this year. And Jalen Cropper um, uh, has struggled through a lot of the season as well, just not getting the targets through the air. Well, Jay Kaner's back. He looks like his normal self here. Um, and both of those guys are kind of rolling a little bit here. Hayner, they played UNLB this week. Hayner went 28 for 36, 313 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Mims, a little bit of an underwhelming day, but still finished with 70 yards and a touchdown. And then Cropper, eight catches, 164 yards, and two touchdowns. Now, Cropper's actually had a couple of really nice games here back-to-back uh, -back the week before. Um, he finished with a similar stat line, um, and I was worried. Uh, five catches, 93 yards, and two touchdowns. I was worried that that was a little bit of an aberration. Uh, they were playing Hawaii. Um, Hawaii's been just down bad this year, quite frankly. But um, two weeks like this in a row, I'm feeling really, really good about Jalen Cropper moving forward. So I think Cropper is a guy that's a must-start here through the end of the season. Uh, a couple of really juicy matchups here for them. Uh, Fresno, the last two games of the year, they get – uh, why are they get um, where to go here? They get 
uh, Wyoming in week 13, which is a, a nice matchup. And they get Nevada this week. Nevada is very, very bad. So I'm actually firing up Mims and Cropper where I've got them. I don't have any Jay Kaner, but I think I'd be comfortable starting Jay Kaner uh, in most circumstances as well. Obviously, de again, depending on what else you've got at quarterback, um, you know, if you've got some studs there, um, you know, maybe maybe uh, I'm, I'm pumping the brakes on him. But but I think that Cropper and Mims are must starts through the end of the season. Um, and quite frankly, that's a relief for a lot of my teams because I built a lot of them around uh, this Fresno State offense over the past couple of years. I'll be interested to see. And I think it's a different discussion. If Jalen Cropper rehabs his his Debbie stock here over the next couple of weeks, and I, I don't rehab such a strong word. I don't maybe the NFL still really liked him. Obviously, there's context surrounding his struggles this season um, without their starting quarterback. The, the backups there uh, not particularly uh, great, but I'm interested to see. You know what? I, I don't know what the NFL is going to think of Cropper. I know senior bowl invites have already started to go out. He's technically eligible. We'll see if he gets one. I think that will be a little bit telling. Um, not that a senior bowl invites a guarantee a future NFL success. We've had some guys, you know, uh, Bo Melton, for instance, uh, uh, not a particularly uh, good NFL player. And there's been some other guys there as well. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I'm going to be paying attention to both of those guys. Um, and I think in the immediate future here, um, both guys that I want to be starting for my rosters. Last intriguing storyline here, um, Jacuri Brown. True freshman quarterback at Miami. Um, where to start with this one? We thought this was going to be Tyler Van Dyke season. Then Miami kind of went out and hired uh, some uninspiring uh, coaches for at least when it comes to fantasy production for guys. And so uh, Van Dyke has been not great this season. Um, Jake Garcia, I, I believe, is injured. And so that meant that Ja'Curry Brown... Uh, got into this game here for Miami this weekend. Miami won 35-14 against Georgia Tech. Obviously, a, uh, not a bad team to get in. Uh, some of your first action here. And Ja'Curry Brown was fine. He was very passable. I went back and actually was able to watch this game here before. Uh, I wanted I wanted to watch this one. Of all the games that I recorded, this was the one that I, I needed to sit down and watch all of. Because uh, I wanted to see how he looked, quite frankly. Ja'Curry Brown, for anybody that doesn't know, was a, is a true freshman quarterback there for the Hurricanes. Um, he is kind of like Anthony Richardson-ish uh, coming out of high school, like crazy, crazy athlete, um, but, you know, completing like 40, 48% of his passes in high school. I, that's not the real number, but it was very, very low. Um, just like all athleticism, no real quarterback at this stage of his development. He went to Elite 11 this year and was not good. Um, it is, it's not a, a, um, you know, a setting that he would necessarily thrive in, but all the tools there and Jacuri's the kind of guy that I think it's good to bet on tools. He's a guy that was basically free this off season. I believe we had him ranked in our, um, our freshman supplemental guide, but we didn't have him ranked very highly. A lot of that had to do with his rawness. A lot of it had to do with team situation. We didn't think that he'd be seeing the field there for at least a year. Uh, maybe more. And obviously with Miami's commitment to NIL now and, and kind of upping their recruiting game, uh, we also uh, figured that they would be bringing in some high profile quarterbacks, freshmen to kind of can compete with him. Uh, we figured he might get buried on a depth chart, prime transfer candidate kind of guy a year or two down the line. So he wasn't a priority for me in, in supplemental drafts. But I think at this stage in the season, he's a huge, huge add if you have pickups left or, or roster space or anything like that because of the tools and, and you know this is this is the time to buy these guys when they are very very cheap you don't have to spend up a lot 
uh, to get your hands on him. He this was a very average outing from him in a good way. 14 for 19, 136 yards, three touchdowns. Very, very conservative game plan for him. Obviously, how it should be for a guy starting his first game in college and 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 maybe not necessarily uh, being ready to to execute a full game plan there for those guys. He only had two passes over 20 yards. He only had four that were between 10 and 20 yards. A lot of this stuff was around the line of scrimmage. It was quick three-step drop, get the ball out of your hands. But he was efficient, and he didn't make any mistakes. And that's great. Those are the kinds of things you want to see uh, from a guy like him. Let him kind of work his way uh, into a role, get his feet wet there. So Ja'Curry Brown, and then he actually had 87 yards on the ground too, which is kind of the big thing with him. He's just so dynamically athletic. I feel, I don't know how I feel about him moving forward here. Will Miami roll with him the rest of the season? I haven't seen anything from the coaching staff yet that indicates exactly where he stands in the hierarchy there. If everybody's healthy or, or what they're planning to do, if they're looking more to the future, this is obviously a bit of a lost season there uh, for Miami, who's five and five at this point. Um, but I think this is interesting to to tie into another large piece of news from this past weekend, which is Jaden Rashada a high four-star quarterback. I believe he's the QB six or seven in the class. Uh, borderline four or five star uh, was a Miami commit. And he's flipped. He left Miami. He is no longer uh, going to be uh, going there. He's actually flipped to Florida. Um, so I, I thought Rashada would be the guy that kind of buries him here. You know, they're paying some NIL money for this kid to come in. He's going to take over for Curry Brown. Uh, or he's going to take over for, for Tyler Van Dyke. He's going to relegate Corey Brown to the, the bench. Now I'm not so sure what's going to happen here. They do still have a, a kid coming in this year who who performed at Elite 11. Uh, his name is escaping me right now. Um, but I think, you know, if Brown holds this job through the end of the season, he has the inside track um, uh, toward keeping it over the next few weeks. So uh, Corey Brown, if you have any uh, uh, pickups left in your leagues, go get him right now. Um and and stash him away you know I, I don't know i don't think i'd be advocating starting him through the end of the season here um uh, you you probably have other options at this stage um to flip back over to the rashada thing i i don't have a lot of uh commentary surrounding this at this moment in time uh, we talked a lot about it on uh, the better sports show this week but if you're rashada and you've seen what the tag team duo of crystal ball and gaddis have done to this offense over the course of this year, I think you have to feel worse about about you did uh, than you did at the, at the time of his commitment. So uh, the the switch made sense for him. I think he'll go to Florida. Florida doesn't really have anything beyond Anthony Richardson there, so he's positioned very well uh, to hopefully snag uh, that job over uh, the past few weeks. But he's just the first of many that that, that could flip here over the next couple of weeks. So we're going to be paying attention. Uh, to all of this kind of stuff and, and quarterback more than any possession position when they flip their commitment eyes eyes of other recruits flip toward them you know we saw arch manning do it at texas as soon as he committed to texas we saw a wave of these kids want to go play with arch manning i don't know that Jaden rashada necessarily has that same kind of pull that same kind of uh let's call it recruiting gravity but i do think that this could draw either some guys that haven't really committed yet or maybe some local kids to to maybe hang around there. Your Florida is definitely not uh, lacking 
high school talent in the past couple of years, a lot of them have left the state for places like Alabama, for places like Ohio State, um, places like Georgia, um, LSU even. But so, so I'm not sure. I don't have anybody on the top of my head that I think will be following him, but I think it's worth watching for over the next couple of weeks. All right. Injuries that we are monitoring here as the week goes on. I'm going to open up here with Cedric Tillman, a wide receiver there for Tennessee. I think a lot of us were surprised when he just decided not to play this week. I don't think it was his decision. I think it was the coaching staff. But uh, regardless, I was shocked uh, when I was informed at 12.02, as it usually happens, that Tillman would not be playing. Uh, after I already uh, was not able to move him out of my starting spot, he went through all of the preseason stuff uh, as he normally would, or the pre uh, pregame stuff as he normally would, and even uh, did a bunch of the senior day stuff in full pads and then went back into the locker room and changed out of it. Like a total, just yanked the carpet out from underneath us. So I hope that this didn't get you guys. Uh, I was as blindsided by it as anybody else. Uh, I did some digging for some quotes from the coaching staff, and here's what I came up with. Uh, Josh Heupel was asked about his absence uh, right after the game, and this is what he said. As the week unfolds, I believe that he, meaning Tolman, will have the ability to play in this one. We'll always evaluate players in the back half of the week. Said could have played in this one. So it sounds like maybe this was a little bit of a maintenance call. They were playing Missouri. They obviously didn't need him. They scored 60-something points, and they won by almost 40. Um, so overall, um, you know, I, I think a little of a rest week there for him. Maybe this works out long-term for us. Um, I, I personally would really like to have Tillman for the last couple games of the season. He's a target hog there in that Tennessee offense and Tennessee still has something to play for. You know, they still think if they went out, there's a chance that they can make the college football playoff. So Tillman, uh, going to be a guy uh, that we'll be monitoring and we'll continue to keep you guys updated throughout the week. Uh, probably in the Discord, as per usual, um, with any news that comes out on that one. Jameer Gibbs, running back Alabama. I mentioned him earlier as a guy that um, went down this week. Ankle injury. Uh, the reporters were saying he was on the sideline, like he was ready to come back in, but I don't think he was healthy enough to do that. I think if he was good to go, they would have brought him in. This was a very close game for Ole Miss. They actually trailed, Alabama did, for a decent portion of this game, ended up winning it at the end. Um, but, but I think, you know, a, a healthy Gibbs or a Gibbs that's even good enough to play gets in that game, even with the depth of the running back position there for the tide. So Gibbs ankle injury, I think this is going to be a really interesting one to monitor. We've chatted a lot about it behind the scenes, um, uh, with, with the, the folks here at C2C. And there's definitely some worry amongst us that because Alabama, you know, I know ESPN says they have a 15% chance or whatever to make the playoff. They don't. There's basically a 0% chance they make the playoff. There's like one scenario. It's not going to happen, and it's certainly not 15% likely to happen. Um, so uh, Alabama is not going to make the playoff. You know, Alabama, like that's that's the goal every year. Um, so it, it, a disappointing season by their standards. I could see Gibbs not playing again this year. You know, no more team goals to achieve. I think he's certainly shown at this point that he could adjust beyond Georgia Tech to to a bigger stage with a better team against better opposition uh, and still perform at the same or better level. I think, you know, he, he's done that here throughout the course of the year. So there is some legitimate worry that he shuts it down the rest of the season. I have no actual, you know, quotes or, or, or anything, information to back that up. But I think it's definitely a concern. This is another one 
that we'll be monitoring all week. I don't know right now that I like his chances to play. I mean, this week they play Austin P. So I think regardless, he probably sits this week to kind of get him right. Um, I think this makes us a very sneaky Jace McClellan type week. I actually think he's he's very startable um, because it is going to be a, a 75 to, to three game or something like that. I mean, it's just going to be an absolute uh, a blowout here for Alabama. So there, there's no reason to risk Gibbs in this one. Um, so I think regardless, you know, if you're in a semifinal this week, you're going to be down Jameer Gibbs. I would be planning accordingly. If you have Jace McClellan, I think you can slot him in. Uh, if you don't and you need to find a replacement, um, I, I would start thinking about that. And if you have any questions, again, about any of the guys that maybe you're thinking about plugging in there, uh, feel free to hit us up at C2C and we'll be happy to try to get you um, uh, make it help you make a decision and, and get a guy in your lineup that's going to help you win uh, that matchup. All right, so a couple other guys here. Uh, Josh Downs, Antoine Green, both wide receivers at North Carolina. Both went down in this one for varying lengths of time. It's actually funny. Uh, Nate Marquise was basically live messaging us in the C2C Slack uh, for the entirety of this game. He was apparently probably watching it on live television. I was watching a stream, so he was about 20 to 40 seconds ahead of me for the whole game. And Nate just kept saying, oh, Josh Downs is down. He's done for the day. He's down. He's hurt. He's hurt. Um, I kind of hurt two or three times in this game. Uh, and then basically 30 seconds later, Nate would be like, oh, no, never mind. He just got a touchdown pass. It, it was one of those kinds of games. He, he hurt his hand. He hurt uh, his leg or something later in the game. I mean, it was definitely a, a tough game uh, from Josh Downs, but we we applaud his efforts. He was the top wide receiver performer on the week, uh, 44.4. Uh, full port, uh, full PPR fantasy points this week. But regardless, I just think he's one to monitor. You know, it's always for some of these smaller injuries, some of these guys with the adrenaline and just the fact that they're kind of warmed up and loose can kind of uh, ignore them in the moment as they happen. And then as you sit there for, you know, a couple hours after the game and the next day or two, I'm sure they probably had Sunday off from, from real physical team activities. Um, some of these things start to tighten up a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely speaking from experience on that one. So I'll be monitoring him. I think he's going to be fine. Um, but just, you know, I'll be paying attention to Josh Downs. Antoine Green, on the other hand, I don't know that we've received any confirmation on this, but he left the game after taking uh, what was deemed to be an illegal hit. Um, uh, the player that hit him was actually disqualified for targeting. Uh, and it looked like it was probably a concussion or something head related, but I, I don't like speculating on um, on head injury, concussion type things because they're, a pretty big deal, but regardless, he didn't come back to the game. I don't know what's going to happen with green this week. I think that's one to be monitoring closely. Obviously the UNC coaching staff has no um, duty to us as the public at large to let us know whether he is in concussion protocol, whether he's clearing concussion protocol, uh, whether it looks like he will clear concussion protocol, any of those kinds of things. So Antoine green, I think at this stage, the, being the risk averse person that I am when it comes to kind of injury type stuff in the playoffs, probably sitting Antoine Green or at least planning to do that. And I'm probably at this stage planning to start Josh Downs. I mean, if he's healthy, uh, you have to do it. He's just been so good uh, in games where he has played. Chase Brown, running back for Illinois, went down this weekend, was apparently not able to put really any weight on his right leg. I searched high and low uh, for about four hours before I hopped on here today and every every 40 minutes or so just searched uh, to see if, if there was any new information yet. And there has not been any update on Chase Brown. The um, downside of doing the show early in the week is that not all these staffs have done 
public press conferences or really have enough information to give any sort of good update. So Chase Brown be monitoring this as the week goes on. It didn't look good. As of right now, I'd be planning that I probably don't have Chase Brown, which is going to be a huge blow uh, for teams. I know he's been steady Eddie all season, uh, good, almost locked in for a touchdown or two every week and 100 yards, uh, great volume. And it'll be really interesting to see what Illinois does there because Josh McCray uh, is also out right now. He came back and then was was seen in a boot this week, didn't play. Um, so I, that's a situation I'm going to be monitoring. If I can sneak in maybe and figure out who who the guy – the guy is there. Uh, maybe I take that route, but they they also don't have a particularly friendly schedule down the stretch. So um, all around another one that I'm just marketing, uh, marking monitor down beside it and moving on. Uh, Big 10 running backs, not a good week for them. Uh, Mayan Williams also went down this weekend, uh, running back for Ohio State. Travion Henderson didn't suit up for this one. I'm going to cover this whole running back situation here in a minute, but Mayan Williams went down. Um, they're saying, I think it's an ankle injury. It looked like he was holding his knee when he went down, but, but I think they're calling it ankle. He was carted off. He was on street clothes on the sideline for the uh, entire second half. And the guy had like 140 yards and in, in a touchdown in the first half. Like th- this was going to be another 250, 300 yard and a handful of touchdowns type performance out of him. So really a bummer, but if you started him, he at least got you to 20 points or whatever before, uh, he went down with that injury. Travion, like I said, he didn't suit up for this one. I'm wondering what what they're going to do with him because Ohio State, their goal is to get to the playoff, to win the Big Ten, to get to the playoff, compete for a national championship. That's their goal every year. I, I mean, they're they're just one of those schools like Alabama, um, you know, like like Georgia at this point, like, like maybe even Clemson is. Um, these kind of schools, you know, that that's the end goal. So. It seems like they're trying to kind of get some of these guys healthy around the perimeter of the roster. Travion Henderson, I think, you know, if they if if you really forced Ryan Day's hand, he could be out there. But they're trying to get him 100 healthy for that game against Michigan, and then hopefully in their minds for the playoff. So I'm wondering exactly what the fallout is here for Mayan Williams. I'm gonna I'm working under the assumption as of today that he is not going to play this weekend. And Ohio State's so thin at running back that I'm wondering if that does force the staff's hand to toss Travion Henderson out there. The only other real options there, because um, um, uh, uh, Evan Pryor is also out for the year right now, um, that it's either going to be Dallin Hayden, who's a true freshman, uh, four-star running back there. Uh, I have him in our waiver section that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. Um, a, a guy that we really liked here at C2C. Um and he had 100 yards after Mayan Williams went out. Like, do they roll with my, with him, with Alan Hayden? Do they try to bring Travion back and try to roll with him? Uh, they put Xavier Johnson out there a little bit, who is a running back slash wide receiver slash like DB. He's been listed at a bunch of different positions on this depth chart over the past couple of years. And he got some touches in this one. He took an absurd 70, 71 yard uh, touchdown or rush touchdown to the house in which kind of started out on running left. Um, uh, cut back the whole way almost to the past the right hash and then cut back again the whole way across the field uh, and scored. He looks like to be a very good athlete. They also use him uh, as a receiver at times. Um, so, so maybe he's getting a little bit of work. I, I wouldn't be starting him like that. That That's not necessarily part of the discussion, but he he's going to factor in here probably uh, from a touch perspective. So this is another one where as a, here's what I'm basically forecasting. I'm thinking Mayan Williams doesn't play. I'm thinking Dallin Hayden gets the start. 
I'm thinking Travion Henderson suits up and gets some touches, but he's not going to be the feature back. And I'm wondering if Xavier Johnson sprinkles into, I think that's what we're going to see at running back for this week. And the other thing, I mean, just that Ohio state's doing this year is that they, they are, they will pass the wall, the ball, even if they shouldn't be, you know, we saw that game against Northwestern when there were legitimate 70 plus mile per hour winds recorded at times. And they were just hell bent, hell bent on trying to pass that ball around. Um, they've done it every week. They certainly have the wide receiver depth to make that happen. Um, so I am also wondering if that's just the route they go. You know, we, we tried out Dallin Hayden. Uh, he gets 20 carries in this one. Xavier Johnson gets five to seven, and then they pass the ball 40 times anyway. Um, so I think this is potentially good news for maybe a Marvin Harrison owner. Not that he's been lacking for targets in this one for a Mecca Buka, maybe even a Julian Fleming or some of these guys. Um, which ASN still out um, that that might be the ultimate pivot here. Um, but just, you know, Mayan Williams um, probably out and we'll be watching to see if he even comes back uh, here in the next couple of weeks. KJ Jefferson, the last name I want to toss out here. He was questionable all week uh, quarterback there for Arkansas. He's been banged up the past few weeks uh, and didn't play in this one uh, was rolled out kind of, you know, 15, 20 minutes before kickoff. He wasn't warming up the team. Um, they rolled out, uh, initially Malik Hornsby who looked like crap. And then they rolled out Kate Fortin who didn't look much better, but he at least wasn't going to cost them the game. Uh, they lost 13, 10 in this one to LSU. Um, be interested to see if Jefferson's back if another week kind of gets him right. Um, I would probably not comfortable starting him regardless though. I, Arkansas has kind of been struggling offensively over the past really almost a month at this point. Uh, they haven't really had a ton of great quality offensive performances. They get Ole Miss this upcoming weekend, and then they have Missouri championship week. So maybe if you're a KJ Jefferson owner, you're hoping that he sits out this week against Ole Miss and then maybe comes back against Missouri and has a little bit of whatever those Tennessee quarterbacks had this past weekend. Shout out to our top performers of the week. Um, there's some really interesting names in here. Um, Bert Emanuel is the first one. And it's actually Bert Emanuel Jr., but he's just a uh, Bert Emanuel on fan tracks. I believe his father was a wide receiver for the Rams, I think, uh, years back. Emanuel, if you've never heard of him, that's quite okay. He is a true freshman quarterback at Central Michigan. Not, not the starter on the depth chart, not even the second string guy. He's been behind Daniel Richardson and then Jace Bauer this season. Richardson banged up and Bauer got hurt too. So Emanuel had to step into this one and had... Basically, the, the most amazing stat line that you're ever going to see uh, from a quarterback. Total total match and stat line here. So he only threw the ball three times in this game, but he ran it for 24 times or 24 times for 293 yards and three touchdowns. He was it was basically like playing a Wildcat offense there for Central Michigan, but it worked. They beat Buffalo. Uh, he had himself a really nice day. I think he's an ad if you if you're looking forward to the future. But I'm not necessarily convinced that he is the starter moving forward. Um, he, Jace Bauer, the coaching staff has already said, I believe, is expected to be back this week. So, you know, do they split Bauer and Emmanuel? They're both kind of similar skill set wise. So I'm not sure there's necessarily a need to split them. But I mean, I think it's hard to argue that Emmanuel is probably the best athlete that they have there at the position. So a, a guy to monitor for sure. We like Mac defenses. They don't have a tough schedule moving on. I've already snagged him in a place or two. Um, I, I highly recommend getting a claim in for him if you have some claims left. Because I think 
I'm not plugging him in this week, but if he does it again, I'm not discounting starting him in a championship game against uh, against somebody if he if he's going to get 25 plus rushing attempts against soft defenses. Like I just uh, at the quarterback position, yeah, I, th- I think that that's going to be really intriguing here over the next few weeks. Uh, running back top performer Zach Charbonnet, and yes, guys, I unabashedly not like not secretly at all was tilting my absolute face off about Zach Charbonnet this week, like just. Every show I went on, I was like, I don't know what to do with Zach Charbonnet. I don't know what to do with Zach Charbonnet. A lot of my rosters are built around, not around Zach Charbonnet. I mean, you don't really build it around one guy like that. But I mean, he he features prominently on a bunch of my teams. He has really been kind of my rock all season because he just gets volume there in that UCLA rushing attack. They don't necessarily play a lot of tough defenses, which has been really, really nice. And some of the other backups there are also injured. So, like, there's there's not a lot of chance of him getting touches taken away if he was going to play. But the week before, if you remember correctly, he warmed up as if he was going to play. And then the game started and he didn't play at all. And it's the second time this season he's done that. Seems like maybe at this stage we know that that maybe it was a kind of a a rest week for him, similar to maybe what they did with Tillman at Tennessee this week. Because he warmed up again this week, like he, he was the 1030 kickoff. I had no pivot. I was like, by, by 330, I had to make a decision on this guy. And I finally just said, like, whatever, we're going to roll Zach Charbonnet out there. We're going to see what happens. And boy, was I rewarded 48.9 full PPR points. He had 11 targets on the week. That's a little high for him. But I mean, he still just gets so much volume. He is really the UCLA offense. You know, Jake Bobo's not consistent. Even DTR isn't necessarily consistent on a week to week basis. But Zach Charbonnet really, really is. I think he can be a league winner down the stretch. Hoping that UCLA rolls him out the next couple weeks. I mean, we'll see. He's always a risk, but just really nice to see him get out there and have himself a really nice day. Josh Downs, as I said earlier, was the top wide receiver performer on the week. Three touchdowns out of him. Double-digit catches. um, Another 100-plus yard performance uh, for him. I mean, there's nothing else really to say. I I was worried that he would suffer a little bit this year, losing Sam Howell, but he is on the same page as Drake May. You know, shocker, good wide receiver on the same page as good quarterbacks. Um, uh, Multiple years in a row here now. I think think he's locked in as a first-round NFL draft pick. I just don't think this wide receiver class is strong enough to keep him out of that range. So he's got Debbie value. And again, another guy that I think UNC is playing for something here down the stretch. I don't think they're going to bench him. And I don't think he's going to opt out. He, he seems like the kind of guy that, I mean, ju- judging by what I've seen out of him, that he's a gamer. He's going to be out there doing everything he can to win. So Josh Downs, you know, I really like him down the stretch. And I'm not too worried about him opting out as we see some of these guys do, at least for our, our CFF playoffs, which is all we really care about. The last name here, another one that you probably aren't that familiar with, tight end, top performer on the week, David Martin Robinson, a tight end for Temple. Now, Temple is being is kind of resurrecting their program here a little bit on the back of Kurt Warner's son, who is actually our freshman of the week here at Campus to Canton. And David Martin Robinson was the main beneficiary here this week, 32.4 points. I would caution on running to pick up David Martin Robinson because on the year, he, re- he only has 63.9 fantasy points. Like this was slightly over half of his yearly allotment in one shot. I I think this was a little bit more of a, an anomaly. 
if you're really, really hurting a tight end, I have to think you have better options unless your league is just starting a bajillion of them and everybody's hoarding them. Um, but but he was the top tight end performer of the week. Uh, so shout out to him there and the Temple Owls. All right, guys, before we hop into waiver wire here, uh, I'm just uh, going to say real quick, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts. You can find them all in one place at Fantasy Points Live on Twitter. You can check out their weekly Friday drop that recaps the entire week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. If you're looking to sign up at Fantasy Points, promo code CAMPUS22 gets you 10% off that sign up. So go check out everything they got going on over at Fantasy Points. All right, guys, let's jump into waiver wire here. I don't have a lot of names for you, and I've actually mentioned a bunch of them that I already am going to talk about here. If you're looking for names for, uh, again, for for playoff contenders, a guy that maybe you want to just plug in and play this week, go listen to this week's Chasing the Natty. I want to say it was roughly 45, 50 minutes into the episode they start talking about it, um, and, and they do a pretty lengthy segment on it. They do multiple players at each position, and they do a much better job of it, Nate and Jared, than I would ever do. So I'm going to direct you over there for names for contenders. Before rebuilders, I think I can point you in the right direction here. I put three names on the list here for tonight. The first one is the aforementioned Bird Emanuel, true freshman at Central Michigan there, 1% rostered. Again, 293 yards and three touchdowns on the ground, one for three through the air. These MAC quarterbacks kind of seem to follow a pattern. When they're young and they kind of first get in these games, a lot of them are rushing threats really only. They don't really scare teams through the air. It's okay when they do that because it's the Mac and the defenses are bad. And, you know, quite frankly, one-dimensional doesn't necessarily hurt them. A lot of these guys kind of start to figure it out through the air as they go on there. Guys like Daquan Finn, DJ Irons both made that same jump this year. Am I saying that Bert Emanuel is A, going to get that job, and then B, going to make that same type of jump where he's a, a guy that maybe you consider starting uh, more often? I'm not so sure. But I think at this stage in the season, that waiver, that waiver wire is probably so bare that I think he's definitely worth it. So he's my number one player, especially because I think you know if, if I'm, I'm listing these in priority order, everyone's kind of going to have their attention on Emanuel. So if you want him, you're going to have to put him one, and this is going to have to be your, your shot at getting him two other names here real quick. And I'll, I'll go to Dallin Hayden first. And I mentioned that he could be the starter this week for Ohio state, a running back. I mean, that's, that's a valuable position. I, I'd be rolling him out there. 12% rostered here on fan tracks. And for those that aren't that familiar with him, he was a four star in last year's class. He went to high school, I believe in Kentucky. I had a bunch of offers ended up choosing Ohio state. I went just to look at, at my uh, report on him just to kind of see what my thoughts were on him. And this is, this is what I wrote down. I said, as a, he's a very smooth mover with nice burst, uh, good long speed, and moves laterally very, very well. A par, uh, part of that is because of his subtle footwork, which allows him to quickly change directions. He's always in control and plays within his frame. Um, a thicker lower half gives him ability to run through arm tackles easily. He's okay to good at almost everything, but doesn't necessarily have anything that's an elite skill. Special teams value as a returner in high school could help him see the field earlier. So those were my notes on him, or at least the the positive ones. Um, the kick and catch. He's, I mean, if you listen to that discussion, you could be saying that I'm talking about Mayan Williams. He's not quite the same size as Mayan Williams, but that's just kind of the back that he is. He's a good player. And I think if he'd gone a lot of other schools that maybe aren't as crowded, 
I would have really liked him. So he's a guy that I think if he's available in your leagues, I did see him slipping through the cracks in some supplemental drafts this offseason. And I think you have to run and go snag him and stash him. And like I said, there might be immediate value. This is one where you just pay attention throughout the week. And if they, if, if a Ryan day can, he won't confirm it before, before Saturday, but usually by Saturday at 10 AM, the Ohio state injury report is kind of out there for the world to see. So, I mean, it sucks during the week, but at least we get information. Salute to you, uh, Mr. Ryan day. So I, this is one where you just you, you plug in Saturday morning and you see and if they say Dallin Hayden's starting. Shit, man, I, I'm throwing them in a lineup. I think if I've if, I mean if I've got any guys that are kind of iffy, like I, I have a league that I might have to store Bryce Ford Wheaton. I think I'd go Dallin Hayden over him if it said that Dallin Hayden's the starter. You know, guys like that that maybe haven't been as productive recently. I'd, I'd say the same thing about um, uh, Prather, uh, the other wide receiver there, or some of these other guys. So, um, moral of the story. Dallin Hayden, short-term value, maybe long-term value. I definitely think so. Uh, Kobe Pesor, the third and final name on here. Um, and I was kind of, we, we've talked about him on the show before as the ready-made Josh Downs replacement, although not as good, which I mean, that's not an insult. It's just, you know, Josh Downs is going to be a first-round draft pick and Kobe Pesor, probably not. But he's 8% rostered on fan tracks right now. He filled in for, for Downs two times this year, which is how I... I know, or I'm pretty sure that he's the in-house replacement for him next year, plays the same position in those two games, eight catches for 92 yards and a touchdown and five catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. He He's going to have value next year. UNC is not one of these schools that is necessarily a glamorous destination for team or for players in the transfer portal. I know Felix has like to say that he, he expects UNC to maybe try to get a guy or two. I don't think they're going to, I think they're going to roll with mostly what they have on the roster there. They've got him. I think they'll probably be hoping that Andre Green Jr. can step up and do something. They have another freshman or two coming up and in. They have um, uh, another freshman here this year, too, uh, Fort Low four-star kid whose name is escaping me right now. But um, uh, they have some bodies there. And to be honest, over the past few years, while Mac Brown's been the coach, I would never have pointed to UNC and said, like, they have the deepest wide receiver room in the country. Like, they just never really rolled that way. So I don't think they're going to be going to find somebody to compete with Pesor. I think that position for him is pretty locked up and an eight percent rostered i mean if you're in a league with me and it's unlimited waiver wire sorry i already have him but i think a lot of places you'll see him hanging around out there um and i i, I think he's 100 percent. i think he's a, a high priority stash for me i wouldn't wait till the last week of the season i would do it now your roster at this point you probably know you know if you're a contender you probably know that maybe a, a senior guy like a Quian Williams, or I, don't, I think he's a junior, but like a guy like that, like probably you're not going to start him this year. That's the kind of guy that even though he has some quote unquote CFF upside, I'm fine dropping for a guy like Kobe Pesor. Um, maybe even like a guy like Isaiah Bowser. Like I, I don't, I, Bowser's probably not starting for me unless I'm just super, super desperate at running back now. He just doesn't get the touch volume. He gets touchdowns, which is annoying, but. I think these are guys where maybe I'm, I'm just, I don't think there's NFL, real NFL upside for these guys. You probably don't want to start them unless you're in a pinch. And at that point, I would take the upside with pace for long term and worry about it later. Right. So those are going to be my three waiver wire suggestions here for this week. I gave out five or six names last week as well. Go check out either last week's Campus Life episode or last week's Waiver Wire Tuesday on our YouTube channel. And both of them will have all of that information for you. All right, guys, um, we talked about some uh, in, in the, like I said, in the 
in the NIL tier chat in our Discord, I asked if anybody had some things they wanted us to talk about. And somebody said, you can control the transfer of one player this offseason. Who do you choose and where do you send them? Got some really interesting answers. Um, uh, some people, you know, Bo Collins stands, wanted Bo Collins to move. Xavier Worthy stands, wanted Xavier Worthy to move. I'm not sure that I love that. Um, delusional South Carolina fans wanted Drake Mame to move to South Carolina. Um, but in reality, I think there's some, you know, I, I don't like playing the projection. Like, is this guy going to transfer? Is he not? I think sometimes we can make some educated guesses just based, it's mostly a quarterback because that's a position where, you know, you, you kind of have one guy and you're sticking with them. And if the guy isn't leaving this off season, then you're kind of, you know, either the guy's going to sit for at least one more year or they're going to go somewhere. So that's why I've been, I've been fairly comfortable saying at least one of the quarterbacks at UNC probably leaves. They've got Jacoby Criswell. They've got Connor Harrell behind Drake May there. Uh, I would love to see Chriswell go to, um, you know, we've talked about this a lot in our dis, uh, our Slack, um, a, a school like Arkansas, if KJ Jefferson leaves, a school like Oregon, potentially, if Bo Nix leaves, a school like Tennessee to be a bridge quarterback. I think he will legitimately, a school like Utah, there are legitimate schools where he can be a high-end fantasy option that he can that he can go to. Like, I think coaches will want him. And he can either be a bridge quarterback or if you're a school that maybe has a little bit more of a long-term focus, I think he could be that for schools too. So Chris Wells is a guy that I just think if you send him to one, of, I think he can play at any of those places. Like I don't think it's a overreaction to say that. Um, and I think that he would be great there. So, so Chris Wells is the guy that I'll continue to point to. Honestly, I probably would have said Dallin Hayden a couple weeks ago, but now it sounds like uh, he might be in the mix there at Ohio state. And if he plays well, we obviously know that Ryan day, um, what will keep him in the rotation there moving forward. So, um, just a couple of names there that I think, um, uh, will be pretty good. All right, guys. So the last segment I want to do here is predict the first couple rounds of supplemental drafts, or at least give you an idea of what this class is looking like. So you can be a little more informed as you're moving some of these picks. And this will give me a chance to shamelessly plug, some of the new additions that we have over at campusdecanton.com. We added, if you go on the website and you've been on there before and you've looked at the top bar of the website, you know, it has the little C2C, the golden C's. It's got it's got campus section, Canton section, CFF, Devi, um, betting and, and gaming type stuff. And then we've just added recruiting to the tab as well. And we have uh, a growing number of articles, evaluations, things like that on there. We've added our rankings on there, which I'm going to actually talk about in a minute and kind of walk you through um, picking through some of those rankings. And then we've added one tool to start off with. Pretty sure there will be more coming. It's an athletic comparison tool, which basically allows you to compare how a, a, a college prospect compares from an athletic perspective um, to other uh, uh, guys athletically uh, in college. Um, David and Matt have done an amazing job scouring through all sorts of different recruiting websites through like high school track websites to pull all sorts of different, you know, shot put distances and 100 and 200 meter times and things like that to kind of draw these athletic comparisons. The tool basically just compares, you know, splits it into like um, uh, power, um, uh, agility, speed. Uh, and then gives you uh, athletic comparables based on all of that. So obviously, if a player only has one or two times or measurements out there, um, you know you might it might limit 
the the amount of uh, comparables that they get, but we have for a lot of these guys a lot of different information, uh, and so it paints a more complete picture. And I do just want to say, if you're using that tool, I think it is incredibly useful in order to tell that, you know, uh, Nicholas Singleton, I, I actually haven't looked at his comps, but I'd assume like Saquon Barkley or something would show up on his. Um, but don't be discouraged if a guy has pretty good athletic comparables and like a bunch of names that you're not really that familiar with show up. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad player. That's just athletically what they compare to. Obviously, you have to consider um, their football skill uh, as well. Um, and we'll probably be offering some things to help you determine that moving forward. Like I said, we do have our recruiting rankings on here. And we've actually just added a new, a new ranker. And that's mostly what I want to talk to you guys about. So our recruiting rankings, if you've ever... Played around with any of our rankings that we have on there. You know, we have just a ton of different categories of stuff. Our recruiting category uh, rankings are set up very, very similarly. You can sort by quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, or you can put, you know, all of them on there. You can choose, you know, I just want quarterbacks and tight ends. You, you can do whatever you want. Um, and it will show you, uh, it, it will then sort by that. You can sort by, um, you know, rank. Then we have a couple different columns on here. We have what's called the adjusted grade and the average grade. So average grade. Like we have template grading templates for all these players uh, at, at C2C. And we all have grades for a bunch of these guys. And then what we do is we that, that's basically just the average of everybody's grades. It's out of you know, 1.000. Um, we, I think just based on the nature of the templates, I would venture that it's impossible to ever have a guy that finishes as a one. I'd venture it's probably very difficult to have a guy that just on based on average raw score uh, ends up over 0.9, but 0.8 is very, very good. We consider anything above 0.8 kind of our quote unquote tier one for the class. Um, and so that's what the, that column is. It's average grade. And now adjusted grade is, and a slight adjustment is made based on positional value. So quarterback obviously gets a little bit of a bump in this one. Um, tight end obviously gets a little bit, you know, of, of a downgrade. Um, for obvious reasons, I can't think of a time that I would ever take a high school tight end in the first round of a supplemental draft. So even if you know Deuce Robinson, I think grades out as a top 12 player for us in this class, he's a tight end, the top tight end in the 2023 class, uh, hasn't committed anywhere. USC, Georgia, Texas, amongst others, uh, are the ones vying for his services here. He gets downgraded a little bit, as he probably should, because again, we're trying to paint a slight picture as to what where you should be taking these guys uh, in your draft. So without further ado... I'm going to try to kind of hop in here and just put some faces and names to pick numbers and values. Um, and I think this is a, a helpful thought exercise. Um, oh, and real quick, guys. So you can actually sort by our rankers here as well. Right now, there are five of us human rankers that, I know that sounds stupid, but it'll make sense here in a, in a minute. Five human rankers, uh, big wide receiver guy, Alfred, me, David, and Matt Bruning all have uh, 60 plus players are graded. I think big wide receiver guy has like 200, but the guy just doesn't sleep or like anything else. So um, kudos to him for, for having so many. Uh, but we've also added, if you see on there, it'll say C2C predictive model. And if you click that, basically what it does is, is Matt has developed some models for uh, projecting high school recruits to uh, college. Um, I think there's a couple notes real quick on this. The model tends to be slightly lower than we at C2C2. Like for right now, I believe the highest grade it looks like in here for anybody is 0.75. Uh, 
um, which he, he gives to Ruben, Ruben Owens. But these models take into account um, things like athletic. Well, it varies by position, but athletic measurables um, for some of the positions like wide receiver or quarterback, we have uh, some different data as it relates to you know, performance. Um, age is a factor for one of the positions, I believe. Like they, they all have different inputs, but at the end of the day, it spits out a number for these guys. I believe for every single position except tight end, I don't know that he does a tight end specific one. Um, these have shown to have a better correlation to future NFL success than uh, just straight taking 24 seven sports or, you know, the composite or whatever else. So uh, some value to be had, if you want to see the unbiased, you know, the model, well, the model just kind of spits out um, uh, you can sort by that as well. And that number is factored into our average and adjusted grade at the end of the day. So uh, a lot of information thrown at you there to kind of kick this thing off. Uh, but if you have any questions, feel free to ask one of us. We can kind of walk you through um, what we recommend doing uh, with some of these um, players here. So our top tier players, and these are all the guys that I said, you know, above a 0.8 is what we consider a tier one player. And we have two, uh, uh, or we have uh, six players here that, uh, you know, based on consensus here within our group should be considered tier one players. The first one, the top player in our rankings this year is Malachi Nelson. And he um, has a 8.868. That's the highest grade. He's a quarterback. He's headed as of today to USC. I do not envision him as a guy that's going to flip around signing day. I think he's pretty locked in there. He's going to be Lincoln Riley's next quarterback there after Caleb Williams. He's, Lincoln Riley has done a great job of kind of getting this two, this one-year sit, two-year play situation nailed down. He's done a very, very, very good job of that. Um, since he's become a coach, did it at Oklahoma for the most part. Um, and, and now he's doing it at USC. Caleb Williams will be a junior next year. Malachi Nelson will sit behind him. And then Malachi Nelson will take over. Malachi Nelson is my quarterback one in the class. I think he possesses the most touch and the most accuracy of anybody in the class. He's probably the most accurate high school quarterback I can remember watching over the past five years. Um, just extremely, extremely accurate. Plays a high level of competition there out in California. Um, and he actually, like, he throws with so much touch that I was wondering if what kind of velocity he was working with. Um, but we actually also have a way to measure arm velocity. And um, he's actually throwing like fourth hardest in the class or sixth hardest in the class or something. So, like, when he needs to gun it in, he's got that tool as well. He's a little skinny. It's really the only complaint. He's like 185, 190 pounds right now. But he's 6'3. I think he can gain a little bit. I think he can get up to 200 pounds or so. And I think that'll be um, good enough. So uh, he's not like Bryce Young skinny. Like, I think he's a little thicker than that. So um, good thing for him there. Our second guy is Arch Manning, quarterback going to Texas. I mean, I think by now everyone's heard the Arch Manning debate. You know, is he his dad? Is he his uncle? Is he neither? There's a good chance he's neither. But I think the name certainly helps. He's certainly had the best quarterback development that – money and genetics can, can buy or give you. Um, so, and he's going to Texas. We really like Steve Sarkeesian as a developer of quarterbacks. So we're trusting in him to kind of mold Arch Manning, who we think is a bit more raw than people want to admit. So we have Arch Manning in this group. We also, uh, our, our third overall player here is Dante Moore, quarterback right now, Oregon is where he's committed. There are some rumors that maybe he's considering flipping. I don't know how likely they are. Because some of the, like he's from Detroit, so there's rumors that maybe he would flip to like Michigan State or in Notre Dame went after him very heavily. I think Michigan State's very unlikely. Um, 
Notre Dame maybe, but from, from what I've heard, like that that recruitment isn't necessarily still ongoing at a at a uh, any sort of you know crazy volume. So, I, I, for now, I am operating that he's going to Oregon. I think if Bonex leaves and they don't get a, a transfer quarterback, he has a chance to play some year one. He is one of the few quarterbacks in this class that I think really has a chance to do that. Um, Zachariah Branch is our top consensus wide receiver in this class. Uh, he is headed to uh, USC. He is a Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle type type of guy. And I think if anybody listens to the show or the other shows I'm on or reads my content or, or follows me on Twitter or any of these things, you know that I don't really like throwing that comp around lightly because I think what sets a guy like Tyreek Hill apart and Jalen Waddle too is that the not only the speed that they can play the game at, but the body control that they have to play under control even when they're at those maximum speeds. You know, that's why a guy like Anthony Schwartz hasn't worked out in the NFL. Like these fast guys that they can run really, really fast, but there's not that stop start ability. There's not really the ability to play under control and maintain that even while playing at high speeds. Like it's just a rare, rare physical attribute and branch has it. He, He really, really does. He is, I don't like, I don't know how effective he'll be as a true freshman. I think he will see playing time, but I think he'll get punt and kick return stuff. He is, crazy good at those things you can just see when he gets the ball in his hands just how much defenses fear him and they should so i think he'll be really really good there at usc we have cedric baxter who's our top running back in the class the only tier one running back that we have going to texas i've had a lot of people reach out to me over the past few weeks and say how does cedric baxter impact your evaluation of Jaden blue Jaden blue was my top back in last year's class and I don't really know how to answer it because I think Jadon Blue and Cedric Baxter are very different kinds of players. Jadon Blue is a Jameer Gibbs-ish player. He'll be 205-ish. He is a crazy good receiver. He is very dangerous with the ball in his hands. He's very dangerous in space. He's been he's had very minimal touches for Texas this year, but he's outproduced Jonathan Brooks, like basically like similar volume between the two guys. So my answer is I don't really know. Could we see both of these guys get touches in this offense? Yeah, I think we definitely could. Um, I, I think this is all working under the assumption that Bijan leaves. Does Roshan Johnson leave? We don't know. I mean, they're, they're, so there's no guarantee that Baxter plays early here, but I think he's a good enough player to play early. He's also not necessarily guaranteed to go to Texas. He's not necessarily like locked, locked in. So he'll be a name that I'm watching moving forward. But I think regardless of where he ends up, he'll be very good. And then Jonte Cook rounds out our top six and our top tier players here. Jonte Cook wide receiver headed to Texas. Um, my comp has been basically Xavier Worthy that can catch. Like he is that fluid, dynamic, very athletic guy. He can work short, intermediate, deep. He's got some swag, but in a good way. He, he took multiple videos of himself while visiting schools, uh, making fun of empty trophy cases. Did it Did it at Texas, did it at Texas A&M, amongst other places. Um but I think he plays immediately as a freshman. He's just that level of player. He's already pretty refined as a route runner. He's kind of, so I, I've been very high on Antonio Williams for anybody that's listened to me this year. And I think he's basically like the better version of Antonio Williams, who I love. Like he's the tier one version of Antonio Williams. Um, so I think he has all the upside in the world there. So some combination of Nelson Manning, Moore, Branch, Baxter, and Cook are probably going to go in the first round of almost every supplemental draft this year. And then there's a cutoff here. And we've got a pretty hefty, you know, tier two here. We consider those any players for our ranking sake that are above a 0.7. 
um, kind of basically our four stars. Um, but I wanted to highlight some names that I think will generally go in the first three rounds of drafts, I think pretty consistently, assuming they don't flip and no injury happens by the time um, that the season rolls around. So I just want to toss some of those names out. I'm not necessarily going to go in, in depth about all of them. I'm going to go in depth about some of the ones that maybe are a little more interesting or the situation's interesting or or something like that. Um, but I do, I do just want to get some of these names out of there. Um, so Justice Haynes, uh, running back, he's headed to Bama. He's a high schooler out of Georgia. Um, CEH kind of comp, maybe like Mark Ingram. Like he, he's a little, little smaller, a very shifty, good pass catcher, um, more powerful than he looks. I think he can get the 215. Uh, Ruben Owens, who's headed to Louisville. Another guy, I, I'm I'm curious. Louisville right now has a very good recruiting class. They have Ruben Owens, who is the top running back in the class, or, like according to the services, or or was and is is close if he isn't still. Um, they have him. They have Pierce Clarkson, who's a top ten quarterback, and they have DeAndre Moore, who I believe is a top ten wide receiver in the class, all headed there. But there might be some turmoil in terms of coaching staff at Louisville, so I'll be interested to see if any of those guys do end up there. I think a lot of th- what Ruben Owens kind of has going for him is that he should see the field almost immediately at Louisville. So even beyond just you know what his status is as a recruit, I think we like the fact that he's going to be on the field early. He's a pretty good athlete. I think he, he struggles to gear down at times, which I think will hurt him in the long run. Uh, like He's not like this like top-tier, you know, start-stop kind of athlete, uh, but he can catch the ball. He's a very well-rounded skill set. We'll see if he ends up there or not, but good player. Owens is also looking at like TCU, Texas. Um, I think Texas would be off the table unless there's some domino effect. Like I, I started kind of plotting out where he would switch to. It starts to get a little more difficult. Um, but but Owens is up there for us. He is an older prospect as well, which should be noted. Matters less slash, as far as we can tell, almost not at all for running backs. But should just be noted that he's going to be like 19 and a half by the time he ever touches a college football field, which is kind of insane. Um, Roderick Robinson, running back, Georgia. Uh, he was committed to UCLA. He recently flipped. A bigger back, almost 230 pounds. Very nice feet for a bigger back. Uh, really good receiver. He was at Elite 11 catching passes like a wide receiver and looked really, really good doing it. The downside is that he's going to probably sit at Georgia for at least a year. So, you know, we liked him more at UCLA, but what are you going to do? Makai Lemon, wide receiver headed to USC, is actually my top wide receiver in the class. I think he's somewhere between Jordan Addison and Emeka Egbuka. Egbuka, I kind of have on that Luther Burden, Juju, like maybe maybe they end up being better in the slot, but they're pretty versatile kind of guys. Addison, I thought could be that way too, but he never really bulked and he's shown that he can be a boundary guy. So a lemon kind of falls somewhere between those, which doesn't necessarily sound helpful, but I think regardless, he's a very good prospect. And I think the other thing that he has going for him is that he plays right now with Malachi Nelson. They're high school teammates. He's been very productive with Malachi Nelson, and now they're going to be teammates at USC. So I think uh, hashtag shower narrative strikes again, uh, going from high school to college. I think um, I, I expect really big things uh, from from Lemon over the next couple of years. Jackson Arnold, quarterback headed to Oklahoma. It's a guy that I'm going to be paying attention to. Uh, one Elite 11. Elite 11 does a lot of things very, very well, and I think generally speaking, they do a very good job of identifying that pool of 20-ish top quarterbacks in the country. But I think some of the downsides of Elite 11 is that it favors some of these guys that are 
situationally when it comes to games less ready but are very good at like hitting a target like they're they got some accuracy in non-game situations but they don't necessarily doesn't necessarily measure everything they can do in the game i'm slightly lower than arnold on arnold but i still think he can be a really good player he's going to oklahoma he probably sits for a year behind dylan gabriel assuming he comes back but I do think he's the, the the future there, unless they pull in some ungodly guy in 2024, which doesn't seem likely at this stage. They're not really in on any of the top guys. So Jackson Arnold, um, I'm going to go there, and I think he's he's a long-term play, another guy that I don't think we'll see at all. Year one, Jurian Dickey, wide receiver headed to Oregon. Um, think A.J. Brownish kind of comp, like that that very you know, big, like 6'3", like bulky, um, moves very, very well. Cameron Selvin is going to be an interesting one. He's listed as an athlete. I we we're all pretty convinced he plays running back. He's either running back or a wide receiver. Um, he's not a great receiver, but he's runs like twenty two plus miles per hour, which is just like breaking the radar gun basically for for athleticism for for these kids. So Cameron Selden going to Tennessee. They don't really have a lot of backfield depth. Could be a major major weapon there for them. Brandon Ennis, wide receiver, headed to Ohio State. Um, one of the top wide receivers in the class according to the services. Uh, he's from Florida. I mean, I, I, the Florida schools are like desperately trying to flip this kid, but I don't think he's going to, he went to, I think he went to a Miami game or, or was invited. And he was like, nah, that ain't it. Like he, he's going to go to Ohio state. He is Egbuka ish. I, I see a lot of similarities there. I see why Heartline likes him a lot. And I think he'll kind of slot into a similar, similar role there for them. Probably sit really year one, uh, maybe get some special teams work or something. Uh, as I mentioned, Deuce Robinson, tight end, falls in here, top tight end of the class, undecided where he's going, but he's like 6'6", 230. He can get to 245, 250 pretty easily. He's just a crazy athlete. Like He's probably the best best tight end prospect over the past couple of years. Really, Gilbert and, and Mayer. Gilbert was definitely a better high school prospect. I don't think Mayer was. Um, Avery Johnson, wide receiver, headed to Kansas State. This is one that I disagree with our recruiting team a little bit. I see the appeal of Avery Johnson. He's a really fun player. He's really, really athletic. Uh, he's got a really good arm. He's like, as far as quarterbacks go, he's pretty good. Very skeptical about landing spot. We'll see what happens there with Kansas State. Um, he He's not going to play next year. They really like Will Howard. And I know Will Howard will be a fourth-year player, but I believe technically he has like three years of eligibility left. Um, so we'll see what they do with Howard down the stretch here in terms of um, do they start him and burn his red shirt or do they maintain it? He has one game left to play and they have two games left to play. Um, so overall going to be a very interesting situation to watch. Jaden Greathouse, wide receiver, headed to Notre Dame. I actually have him as a tier one player in this class. He's a very odd eval. From Texas, plays very high level competition there. He's like six four or like six three two ten, and he's like got like five punt return touchdowns on the season. Like he's he's a very and he's not like this uber athlete either. Like he's a good, very good athlete, but he's not you know, like I, not what you're picturing. If you're thinking like you know maybe he's DK Metcalf back there, he's really really not. Um, different type of player, but he's he's really really interesting. Um, so wanted to watch, and then I think there's kind of a cutoff after him really here. I think after that, you'll see some disagreement amongst us as to the value of the player, but just some other names I wanted to pick out here that I think I didn't even mention yet. Nico, I am Oliva, 
quarterback. He's headed to Tennessee five-star. We are not sold on him as an NFL prospect, but we are damn sure that he's going to have the job there at Tennessee at some point. And we've seen what Hendon Hooker has done in that offense this year. Like it's going to put up numbers. So I think he's not necessarily a bad bet from that perspective. Um, it, you know, you get the points now and then you hope that he develops into something later. I definitely, I don't knock anybody for wanting to go that route. I personally am going to probably be avoiding him because he's going to be a little pricier than I expect. I, I suspect he'll go top eight picks in supplemental drafts, assuming that the, the free agent pool isn't just like absurdly deep. I, I would venture that he goes in that range. Uh, and I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying it might be a little expensive for my taste. Uh, Shelton Sampson, five-star wide receiver who's headed to LSU. He's a very odd eval as well because he's like 6'4", 200, and he's rumored, like reported, to be running like 4'3". And I don't see that guy on the field. He's not a bad player by any stretch. I have him you know, as a, a top 12-ish receiver in the class, but I don't see that. He's going to LSU. They don't have a lot of wide receiver depth there. So could he play early? Yeah, I think he potentially could. Um, uh, I'm trying to pull out some in- other interesting names. We technically have Malik Benson listed. He's a JUCO kid. He's going to Alabama, the top JUCO transfer in the class. Uh, crazy, crazy athlete. And we've lamented Bama's weak group wide receiver wise all year. So he'll go in there. I think he'll go top two rounds. Um, Jalen Hale wide receiver. Uh, he'll go uh, a top couple of rounds as well. Uh, Carnell Tate's headed to Ohio state wide receiver. He'll go top couple of rounds. Uh, we are not huge fans of him. We have him as our 36th overall player in the class. Sometimes he does really cool stuff. He'll take a punt return for a touchdown. And sometimes he just is like nothing. Like it's, it's very, very odd. He's just kind of a passive player for how good he is. Um, we'll see if they can fix that there at Ohio state. Um, uh, other top names here. Um, Noah Rogers. I don't think I mentioned him. He's also going to Ohio state and he's got questionable hands, but he's like just this hugely athletic boundary guy. We'll see if they can mold him into something. Uh, Hakeem Williams is possibly the best athlete I've ever watched at the wide receiver position. Like that's not even a joke. Um, like, Literally, like, um, um, not not Calvin Johnson, but who's the guy that went after him on Georgia Tech and played for the Broncos? Demarius Thomas, um, like that level of athlete. He just has, and I know I said this last year about Andre Green, and turned out to be true, by the way. Um, no idea how to play wide receiver at all, but if he learns how, he's going to Florida State. If he figures it out, like, there's legitimate like Julio Jones, Demarius Thomas level upside here with this kid. It's just like you know, I don't always like making that bet but i think he's gonna be a really intriguing guy so those are kind of some of the names that i think you're gonna see all the time in the first couple rounds next year and guys that i'd be paying attention to right now and maybe trying to position myself uh to get after um i, I want to talk you know just generally speaking i think the strength of this class is the wide receiver group there are a lot of wide receivers that i like i know wide receivers tend to be a dime a dozen nowadays i think that's mostly true um but i think it's definitely the strength of this class and i think uh, my tier two is really starting to get crowded uh, with players that I think can be uh, f- to, pl- to play some as freshmen. Um, I, I really think there's a lot of those guys. The quarterback class, we've gone back and forth on this as a group. The top three, I mean, we just talked about those uh, Malachi Nelson, Arch Manning, Dante Moore, very, very good players. After that, we kind of have a drop off in the group, but I still think there's quite a few really intriguing players here. You guys like, um, uh, I'm trying to go through our list. You're like Aiden Chili's, who's going to Oregon State. 
He's been shooting up draft boards. Um, I'm going to be writing a piece about him. We're hoping to talk to him this offseason. I actually just recently spoke with his quarterback coach, um, who's been telling me that basically just he flew under the radar like for a couple years. Said he's not anymore. He's got like every Pac-12 offer known to man. Um, he's got every, he's like 6'4". He's extremely mobile. Um, he's got every tool you could ever want. He's an interesting guy. Um, some of like the big production type schools are going to be looking for players like Tennessee, as I mentioned already, Washington could be looking for another quarterback. They've got Lincoln Kineholes coming in there. Um, uh, Washington state has a quarterback coming in there as well that we really, really like whose name is escaping me. Um, but all these guys, uh, maybe Kineholes is going to Washington state. I don't know. Um, but all these guys are kind of, I don't know, Sam, no, Sam Levitt's going to Washington state. Yeah. So a lot of these like Uber production type places uh, are looking for a guy. So I think, Quarterback is not as bad as some want to say it is. And then running back is just not very good this year, guys, like straight up. Um, really, after Cedric Baxter, like I could kind of take and leave this class. Um, mixture of crowded depth charts and just not really having elite skill sets. Uh, I think this will definitely be a year kind of like when 2021 class was coming out, we said on multiple shows, like this is the kind of class where a running back who's ranked like 60th in the class ends up being the second best guy after Travion. Like it was Travion, big break. Shipley, big break. Everybody else. It's turned out that that's probably true. Raheem Sanders might actually have jumped Shipley. Braylon Allen's in that class. Like all these guys that we thought were much were, were much lower ranked to have jumped up that way. And I think this could be a similar type class if you wanted to give me to give you uh, a sleeper that I think could maybe do that. We've got a couple that I think are slightly lower ranked. We've got Caden Fegan. Um, who is kind of Braylon Allen-ish. He's headed to Illinois. There will be some snaps there uh, to be had. So I think he's a really, really interesting guy. And then the other one is Benjamin Hall, who's a very lowly rated kid right now. He's headed to Michigan. Again, a Michigan, another school that might have some touches to opening up. Blake Corum leaving. It'll be Donovan Edwards. It'll be CJ Stokes. And then question mark, question mark, question mark. Hall could slide in there, get some touches as a freshman. Um, we, we uh, I think, most for the most part, um, like him and, and, and have pointed him out as a guy that could um, be significantly better than his ranking indicates. And then if you're looking for a, sl a, a some sleeper wide receivers, just some names that I know we have significantly higher than the ranking uh, services do, Vandravius Jacobs, who's headed, I believe, to Florida State. Um, uh, Keon Brown, who as of today is headed to Oklahoma, a kid that we really, really like. And then... Um, Oh, Nathan Leacock, who's headed to Tennessee, and then uh, Tayshon Loves or yeah, Tayshon Lyons, who is undecided. Notre Dame, Washington, seem to be the final two schools there. So overall, pretty good class. Uh, I I think the first three or four rounds will have plenty of talent. After that, uh, it probably drops off a little bit, but that's fine. Um, so if you're sending picks away, just know this is probably what you're either you know giving up or acquiring uh in deals and plan accordingly all right guys so that's going to do it here for this week's show um one final just tidbit of information we do want to give a shout out to uva um obviously hearing about the the shooting that impacted the football team there for virginia lost a couple players on that team including lavelle davis uh wide receiver who i'm sure if you listen to this show uh you're probably familiar with um so we'll be thinking about uva um uh, uh prayers up to them and um uh, 
I mean, I, I, we're not, there's no you know fantasy discussion to be had. Just hopefully everything is okay uh, there for that campus and that community as a whole. I'll be back later in the week. This uh, uh, guys, Colin, will be back from Miami. So um, I, my, my running partner will be back again. We'll be doing Canton Bound. Until next time, guys, I am Austin. No Colin. And have a good one.